if you're going to get into BIM, yeah, I mean, it's not going to be somebody who just, you know, thinks of gardening all day long, right? It's, you have to want to be into it, right? Mm-hmm. In the future, there's always going to be new technologies, but all they do is become tools, right? And so the tools are only as good as its user or, you know, you have to also be involved, right? Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software Great Tech Group. You're invited to join our conversation to model the future of construction innovation and the digital transformation adventure of this great industry. My guest today is Lane McKellick. He is a senior BIM specialist at PCI with a passion for practicing early architecture techniques and concepts to modern innovative technology. Welcome to the show. Man, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So I always like to start with how you got into the industry. And if you want to kind of give a little overview of your your role as a BIM specialist at PCI, that would be awesome. Yeah. So I actually started my um, educational uh, uh, efforts in, in 3D animation. Um, this is like early, early 2000. And um, kind of left the state, came back, um, did some army time. And then uh, when I came back to Vegas, um, I went to uh, uh, to a technical school and uh, kind of pursued um, a CAD degree and then uh, fell into uh, architecture that way. And then uh, from there, I was just, I w- I've been on the design side for the majority of my career. And um, for, and then I left for a little bit, kind of joined my, my buddy's little uh, think tank type um, company. And we were doing cool stuff like VR, augmented reality, um, some really cool uh, uh, animation uh, projects that we've done. But it's like all this like super high end, like, you know, experimental stuff. And um, then I, I found PCI, and so I kind of went from design to the construction side, and I am absolutely thriving. Uh, my my entire uh, history has been leading me up to this. You know, I was on architecture and structural. Uh, now I now I'm on the you know, framing side, so it's yeah. worked out very well. Interesting. Talk to me a little bit about kind of your your BIM journey, if you will. How has kind of adopting BIM changed the way? Uh, you uh, approach projects and how you execute at, at PCI. Yeah, so I've, obviously I learned a lot on the you know design side, and so um, learning the process is there. Uh, kind of gives me a, an insight to like on the construction side. You know what can we do? Um, you know our branch has only had um, a BIM entity since I joined, and you know I've only been with um, the company for about four four and a half years, and so was, I get I got to really bring in all my experience and ideas and, and workflows and kind of apply it uh, to, to uh, PCI. And once I understood like, you know, all of our scopes, all of our services, um, meeting everyone, um, getting building rapport and figuring out their backgrounds, then we could really start kind of like sitting down having very fruitful conversations about, you know, what can my software do? What can my workflows do for um, the company? Um, the organization as a whole has had been, um, uh, entities and, and teams and, and um, they've done lots of projects, but I think it, in Vegas, we you know, we have a different market, you know, with hospitality and, you know, some of these more complex uh, projects. And so, um, you know, we, we had to do things a lot different and sometimes not so, so drastic, but like, obviously we had to like think outside the box and uh, try new things. And there's a lot of R and D, a lot of, but by having the experience and, and skill set, um, I was able to either provide a solution or multiple solutions um, get some of uh, my teammates' uh, minds thinking of uh, maybe revisiting the, the way that they, they they've done business in the past and how you know hey there's these new tools you know we can do things different um, faster safer uh, more efficient and so it, it's kind of like this missing key I guess you could say for for the branch and um, 
we just kept attacking all these challenges one after the other after the other and all these projects were huge so we had um, more time more flexibility more um, opportunities to to really get everything thrown at us and then you know come up with uh, solutions to to you know for the client for the owner um, as well as the field crews you know it's very important um, mm-hmm. you know we make their their jobs safer uh, more efficient so it was yeah. very exciting that's awesome you mentioned something that is interesting I want to kind of pull on a, a bit. Uh, you mentioned about building rapport and then kind of the, the impact of, of that with the, the change management of, of getting people, you know, comfortable with the new process and, and maybe new technology. How, how'd you go about building that rapport and, and what kind of impact did it make on the, the change management side of things? Um, really like at first is is me listening to the conversations and, and, um, you know, I was, uh, a lot of times I'd be in the actual job trailer. Um, and so I can hear the lingo, I can hear the challenges, the stresses, uh, or stressors. And, um, it's, it, it was eye opening in terms of like, like, Hey, this is the other side of the fence, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I'll come from design and we, we, you might've heard the phrase like, Oh, well, the field will figure it out. Or, you know, and I'm like, well, Hey, that's me. I, I have to figure it out now. Right. right. So it's like, yeah, the shoes on the other foot. So, um, seeing my team, um, and the owner and the GCs, you know, all this stuff, uh, have their challenges. Um, you know, I was able to, to formulate a lot of, you know, very helpful solutions and, and come up with game plans that, that works for everyone. And there, I mean, there's been so many different challenges, like every project, obviously, like anywhere else, they, they, they were different. And, you know, we'll always, every time we hit a, um, I hit with the challenges, we've always provided a solution. And, um, I, you know, our, our goal is to keep the, the client happy. Um, and then to our, the next, uh, big item is like, we need to keep our crew safe. Right. So mm-hmm. you, you kind of go hand in hand. It's like, we can create the, the most absurd solution, right? It looks, it looks great on paper, but Hey, that puts one of our field guys at risk. He's 20, 30 feet up in the air. We can't have that. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, kind of take that information. Uh, you know, we have core values. We, we try to, um, apply to everything we do so um yeah i mean our field guys are very important to us um but the report is like talking with them um you know i give them my number you know they come into the trailer uh, you know fist bump every morning you know they always come first they come walking through my front door or to my office door i drop everything and say hey you know what does the field need or my superintendent informants um and then kind of triage from there it's like hey you know like this is my crew. You got to take care of them uh, in any capacity that I can. Um, you know, I'm part of the team. Uh, and do what I can. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it, it took it took time uh, figuring out because we we don't we're not just framers, right? Like we we have um, you know hangers and, and drywallers, painters, um, guys who specialize in uh, metal panels. Um, and so it it took a lot of time uh, to to meet everyone first and then try to build the rapport. Mm-hmm. But once they found out like who I was and my role. They started coming into the trailer, but like, hey, could you just fly me around the model? Could you cut a section here and show me what's going on? You know, they're like, we didn't have this before, and now that we do, we we feel like you know this this is very helpful. It'll save time and and, and be safer. So, um, yeah, it didn't happen overnight. It, there's a lot of names I had to learn, a lot of faces, and part of it was during COVID where everyone was covered. <laughs> so I'm like, I, it I from, <laughs> from this much information, right? And um, you know, yeah, so. It's it's been a journey. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so let's kind of bring in the the real world aspect of it. One of the the big projects that you guys have done is sitting in the the 
background of you with the the sphere in in vegas super cool project yep. i got to go uh to the the sphere at au loved it uh can you share kind of how bim played a role in this project and any of the unique challenges that it, it helped uh to overcome using bim yeah um so my involvement was actually from the very beginning with our uh, estimating team and so you know like a standard process, you know, they'll, they'll give us all the design files, PDFs, et cetera. But um, we had uh, Revit models to um, our disposal. So, uh, you know, I think we had like the, fir the first go around, really, it, there's several meetings and iterations. But the first meeting was, yeah, take a night, um, download all the files. Uh, I mean, now we're talking gigabytes and gigabytes of, of file sizes and, you know, put it all together, set up a Navis model just so we can immediately start flying around and um, sharing with our uh, estimators. But I immediately dove into the architecture model, pulled out all the wall types. Um, we did, you know, just simple stuff like 3D view, isolate just uh, the wall types and then print the screen and say, hey, uh, estimators, you know, this is all your type one, this is all your metal panels, et cetera. And so you just kind of have this continuous, you know, um, uh, information being fed to them. And then um, through Revit, I would generate uh, wall schedules. And so I can take um, information that was already populated and just very quickly uh, send quantities and, and um, you know, uh, whatever information that would be helpful to the estimators in a very quick turnaround time. And not that it's the sole um, source, but it's always the supplemental, right? It's like, hey, um, you're doing your thing. You're going through the PDFs. You're in OST. You're doing your takeoffs. You're checking things. But, you know, here's what I'm seeing, too. Um, and with the sphere as complex as it is, you, you, in the early phases of the document set, you don't have every single section, you don't have every single view showing you all the nooks and crannies. Um, and so, uh, like it was a good set, but we did find like, oh my God, yeah, there was conditions that we couldn't easily see. So flying around the model was very helpful. When we did our presentation, we had all these screenshots. We we approached third party um, for some prefabrication help, um, and so we had this great presentation of just content pulled right out of the model. Um, and so, yeah, it, it was very complex, and that was just like the initial phase, right? It's like then meeting after meeting, and the new drawings. Um, you know, a project this size is never just like one and done, right? I think right. they just hit like revision two hundred ten architectural revision or bulletin, you know? Um, and so it's kind of like, you know, the journey has been very long and um, it, yeah, there, there's a lot of work that went into it. A lot of, a lot of like our estimators got ahead of time. They, they, they work very hard, uh, very fair numbers, trying to get and uh, trying to capture as much information as they could um, so they can give a, a very reasonable price to the owner. Uh, MSG had people fly in from, from New York, uh, from, from I think the UK, uh, to, to have meetings with us here in Vegas. And so it's, we try to give them all the information, try to be as transparent and say, hey, look, this is how we got the information. Uh, and the, I think, you know, it was very well received, obviously, because we, you know, we won the the, the contract. And so uh, it's built now. But like, yeah, it, it was a lot of planning, a lot of um, uh, meetings. And they, they up front, they said, look, this, this is going to be a BIM driven job. They saw the value in it, and you know a lot of people were on board uh, in terms of like you know the other trades. Um, that level of information always being available it is very powerful, and I mean, some people can get away with very minimal, but I mean, when you had that much available, I mean, we were we were thinking outside the box, um, e extrapolating information in so many different ways that really benefited us. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it, it was a, it was amazing uh, to see that that many files uh, come together. 
Yeah, that's cool. How, how does it change being such a, a high profile project? I'm sorry, how does it change? The, yeah, it does the, the well, kind of your, uh, how you go about it change or the, the pressure change or uh, talk to me kind of about that. You know, there's there's so much eyes and, and attention on the, the sphere. Yeah, so it's more about the timeline of it, right? Like, so we built the Allegiant Stadium simultaneously we were building resource world las vegas and then in the meet and then after that it was like at some point they we were approached to say hey can you look at the sphere project and this and that and so i don't know if it's you know the correct language but it's like look we were coming off of two very large projects mm -hmm. um and then we were presented this and we're like this is nothing like the other two right um you know, I joke, it's like a giant snow globe. Like, okay, well, how hard, how hard could it be, right? And then you realize, you're like, wow, I mean, there's so many double curved elements. There's all these, I mean, um, organic shapes and finishing, you know, uh, surfaces. And it's like, okay, yeah, this is gonna take some some work and, and planning. And so, yeah, I mean, every project's different, but we looked at this, it was like, this this is a truly one of a kind. And I mean, so we, we were never... We never had the doubt. We always had the the the, the skill set and the, the experience to just say, well, how are we going to do this safely? How are we going to do this on time? At the again with the time schedule, we were hit with some of the aftermath of COVID in terms of getting material was was I mean super problematic. I mean it was like 12, 15, 18 weeks to get basic goods that we could before in like, you know, two weeks. And so we had to plan differently. Right. Sure. And, and so you take that into effect, you can only be as fast as you, you know, the, the distributions um, side of it uh, will allow it. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was, it was like, we planned this months ago and then like, yeah, well, guess what? Like something happened and now we have to make a, a, a change on the fly. And okay. Well now it's another 12 weeks, you know, lead time. And some of them were like, you guys are crazy. You can't get it in, in, in such a quick turnaround time. So we had to uh, inform the owner, say, Hey, look, like these are the challenges of this, this job is like, yeah, it, this is the, the world we live in. Right. Post COVID. Right. So right. yeah, those are the biggest challenges. The industry is struggling with a communication problem and a lack of interoperability. This is causing 25% of data being recreated and almost $300 billion loss due to bad communication. Great Tech Group believes that is a problem. So they created Data Connect, an easy to use, no code platform that connects critical ERP systems with cost management to form a single source of truth to empower better communication, decision-making, and project efficiency. Delivering the ultimate business outcome of being on time and on budget Visit asti.com slash data connect to start saving time and money. Yeah, interesting. So I want to kind of pivot into the, the technology realm. I know kind of pushing software to its limits is a, a passion of yours. How did you leverage uh, software, you know, like Structsoft MWF for the, the Sphere project or, or other initiatives at PCI? Yeah, um, so the first challenge was always storage. How are we going to store all these files? Um, you know, I had to get a second hard drive for for uh, for my laptop um, just to kind of like keep things on reserve, very you know, so quick access uh, uh, items. Um, but I mean, at, at one point we were laser scanning, so we you know we had these ginormous, these huge files, um, trying to manage that. But you know, uh, the owner in the beginning, we tried Ignite uh, as a platform to just share the mo the models and the content. Um, then we switched to uh, ACC, um, and 
internally, like obviously in a collaborative environment for Revit, we use ACC. So it was kind of like, you just had two accounts to toggle between. But um, yeah, I mean, hardware wise, like, you know, we were prepared with the two previous big projects. So like hardware, we were good, but um, our organization has always, um, in some form, but like for the longest time, they've always had um, access or um, trained individuals who, who use MWF. So um, we always say it's kind of like the West Coast and the East Coast, but like the West Coast uh, folks have used MWF for maybe over eight, 10 years, et cetera, you know, a lot, maybe longer, but mm-hmm. for, for a long time. And um, yeah, we look at other, other um, solutions, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, We've used uh, MWF, especially in the Las Vegas branch. Hmm. How uh, did that kind of influence the the Sphere project? Um, again, like how I mentioned that the double curved uh, elements that was very challenging. Um, but <clears throat> the the overall sheer size of the the model, right? Like um, you take into account how many walls there were, how many soffit um, uh, elements and uh, ceilings and at first, they're like, hey, yeah. um, you're onboarded. Here's the models. Uh, we need you to start populating as quickly as possible. You have like two weeks. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I can't do I can't populate the whole project in two weeks. Um, I mean, just just the sheer hardware processing power required. I mean, I mean, you're talking like every, uh, you know, uh, stud and, and, and track. It's like, geez, like, yeah, it, it, I don't have the hardware uh, or probably doesn't exist. But like, yeah. yeah. It, there's a lot of content. So we told them, it's like, look, it's going to be a, one of those progressive things. We'll stay on track with schedule, but um, this is how it's done. Like, cause if you look at traditional method of, of just Revit, no plugin, no, um, you know, third party help um, it, it's, it's a slow process because it's not really designed for like a, like a framing contractor in particular. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say that is because we also had other scopes, like we modeled installation um, uh, beyond the, the immersive surface. There's um, just a, big pattern array of, of um, different thicknesses of uh, installation panels. Like you guys don't see it when you're, you know, obviously um, seeing a show, but we modeled that. And um, the dome roof, uh, steel structure, um, mm-hmm. there, we we modeled uh, in Revit and, and uh, we basically did all these pie shapes for the installation, different layers, and then, you know, flattened it all out for uh, shop drawings and then basically gave like cut um a panel cutting like information to our field and we have all these amazing photos of like the stacked you know all these pre-cut panels you got um flown into the location or, or you transported to the top and they put it in very quickly very safe you know everything's all pre-planned um but yeah like there's a lot of programs that struggle with that type of uh, feature where it's it's radial or if it's a dome um but the double curve like we, we couldn't do everything in mwf or Revit, uh but we reached out to uh, radius track <clears throat> And because of you know the post-COVID um, uh, information I, I mentioned earlier, um, since they can prefabricate uh, or you know manufacture, um, they also can can get their own materials. So if they have the spools, they can make their own um, materials. So it was, it was like we actually saved time because they already had the material on hand, and so they would just bend it and form it and one nine, and um, we would have all these kits that we would install in the field. And so the dynamic was we had these three models, three D models of, of their content. Um, and, you know, tr- trucking information and, you know, sequencing and shop drawings and we did all this cool stuff. But um, then the the, Re- uh, the Revo model with MWF, I was framing the ceilings that where it would tie into. And so it was like multiple simultaneous efforts 
going on at the same time. Like they're, they're doing their thing. I'll link it into my model and I'm trying to connect and I'm finding all the like little gaps, trying to make sure everything's good and finalized. And then after that, I would um, generate like a, a little report of like spot coordinates. So I can then translate it to the field. Our layout team can put on the ground uh, X and Y, and then sometimes like a Z um, information of where things need to land. And so it was very successful. Um, whereas traditional methods would take a really long time of tape measure, uh, you know, checking your dimensions, you know, all the time we had robotic layout and we maximize it and a really skillful uh, layout team. We, we put them through the ringer on the, on the stadium, you know, um, and uh, results roll. So it's like, they were very well prepared. It's just, we tried new techniques. So yeah, like MWF was like my core program and I would get the bulk of it done, but where, where I needed help, like, you know, we just happened to have already a third party in place. So it was a very, very interesting. It worked out very well. Um, and I'm very happy for the, for the field and the owner. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, let's take a, a step back. How do you uh, really go about selecting new software to experiment with? And kind of what's the, what's the process like for integrating successful tools into your kind of everyday workflow? Yeah, I mean, sometimes I'll just be like a huge nerd and like I'll just be at home on my free time just looking up new stuff. Yeah. Or like, like I have a hard time turning things off when it comes to the project you know i'll just be late at night but like how do i i mean there's got to be a, a another way of doing things right you know like constantly asking the why you know mm -hmm. or or how you know it's like um i mean i love dynamo but don't have a lot of time to get into it i know there's a lot of um uh, scripts out there um so part of it also is the available uh, time the sphere took up a lot of my time um you know we had a, a specific time every day we had to submit our, our model for the day so that the next morning people can see uh, the latest and greatest. So my day started early because we're in construction and then it would end late because I also have to make sure I'm available for our engineer. Um, we hired uh, Ficadini, Wagner and Castle. Uh, they have an office here in Vegas. Um, so Neil uh, was our uh, engineer. He, uh, you know, he gets, he, he ends his day at five or six and, you know, he might have questions. And so, um, you know, trying to be available to him as well as the field in the morning. So um, long days, but if I catch wind of something or even just being in, in the industry and, and, um, uh, well, so the on site there was a trailer with all the other, um, uh, BIM folks, um, yeah. or representative from each, uh, subcontractor, mm -hmm. a lot of very helpful, uh, information could be had from them. Like they see stuff on other projects that they're also working on. And, um, you know, they, they bring into the table, just tons of experience. And so, you know, during lunch, I might, I might go over there and just, you know, hang out with that because I'm in the trailer just, you know, a couple hundred feet away. But it's like, hey, guys, you guys seen something like this before? And they'll tell, you know, uh, tell me some things that they've seen. Uh, but for the most part, we were, we were not want to say on our own, but like, you know, we were doing things that are kind of like either new or just, you know, very complex. So we were, you know, coming up with new ways to do things. But um, in general, I mean, it, it, it's just keeping your ear to the ground. Um, always being curious, like, you know, what, what's a better way of doing things that would take hours of, of clicking and, on, you know, I mean, unless you all carpal tunnel, I'm like, you know, you can continue doing things the old way, you know? So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So how do you manage and, and balance the, the incoming demands and shifting priorities from all the different stakeholders and, uh, partners that, that you're collaborating with on a, a project, the size and scale of the sphere? Yeah, I mean, in general, like when people say it's a BIM-driven job, like you guys realize the, the owner is paying for 
the BIM effort, right? Like the, the BIM folks uh, and, and their skill set and their uh, capabilities. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, our, our, it's almost like triaging the, the project, right? It's like, hey, you know, who, who, who uh, needs the information first? Can, you know, what can wait? What, you know, what's critical? What's not critical? And things like that. But I mean, like, I mean, I just have my one cup of coffee a day and, <laughs> you know, that's I'm a big mug. It it's is. It's a good big mug. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it it depends on the day. So, some days can throw you. I mean, when you're not prepared, like they can go sideways very easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you just, just you know, my, my GM always says, you know, how hard can it be? It's just walls and ceilings, guys. Like, don't don't make it harder than it needs to be. But um, you look at the, the priority, like who needs the information now, yesterday, uh, a week from now, you know, uh, as, as well as maintaining schedule. Because there's a lot of moving parts. But um, as a company, as an organization, you know, we try to keep our clients happy um, and the owner, uh, you know, GCs and the owner. Um, and then we just kind of just kind of keep it simple. I think when, when you start making things more complex than it really needs to be, then you kind of get lost in that chaos. And, you know, yeah. You've got to write things down. I had a huge whiteboard that I was, you know, putting stuff. Uh, we use OneNote to to uh, communicate within the operations team, and I mean, I try to document it as much as possible. We had meetings every week uh, for BIM, so you know, we, we I could share all that information uh, with my team very um, quickly on demand uh, as the information was coming in. So as close to real time information was was kind of the goal. Um, but just yeah, in general, you want to document things so you can always go back and. You know, if you have a minute to to clear up any doubt you might have, it's like, oh, yeah, well, I, I satisfied everything I wanted to for the day and I can move on to other new items. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes sense. Where do you see the role as uh, kind of BIM specialists evolving to, especially given the, the rapid technological advancements that are coming into the industry? How do you see the role changing over the, the next few years? I mean, it. We're, we're all, I think it's always a mindset, right? Like if you're going to get into BAM, I mean, it's not going to be somebody who just, you know, thinks of gardening all day long, right? It's, you, you have to want to be into it, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, like, you know, my team, we're, we do laser scanning, right? And, you know, we're, we're literally like start to end solution. Um, mm-hmm. uh, even when it comes to like, you know, doing animations if you wanted to, and if you want to do a VR, you know, we, we can do a lot of stuff because we have that mindset, right? And yeah, I mean, in the future, there's always going to be new technologies, but all they do is become tools, right? And so the tools are only as good as its user or, you know, yeah, yeah, however um, well-developed the, the tools are at the time. And, but you have to be also be involved, right? Like, you have to give feedback to the developers or to, to the creators and say, hey, look, you know, I, I'm in the field and I'm using your product or your uh, tool um, this is what I'm seeing. This is where it's good. This is where it's bad. Um, but it would never get back to them if you don't say something, right? If you don't reach out. Um, that's why going to like Autodesk University is a great place to to meet people and 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 kind of like, hey, you know, I have 10 minutes. I just want to let you know, probably great. But, you know, and then drop the hammer on them, right? Just kind of blackout them. <laughs> but yeah. um, it's, it's- Providers want, love that feedback though. That's super <laughs> beneficial. It's really helpful to them. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it, it gets the job done in terms of like, hey, I said my piece and then I can move on and yeah. you know, harass the next vendor or something. But um, it, it, it's, I think you have to kind of, you have to share your experiences or otherwise like we won't grow as a collective. Uh, so uh, one person puts in, you know, a little bit of effort and another and another and another before you know it. It's like, hey, we just turned the software in a one-year time span. This turned into like a leaps and bounds 
better improved mm -hmm. uh, tool. So um, yeah, nothing's perfect now. And obviously like everyone's working to do better. Otherwise, like why even continue? Right. So yeah. Well, um, yeah, moving forward. Yeah. Nice. Well, kind of keeping our eye on yeah. the future. How is PCI approaching recruiting efforts, especially helping to, to bring in the, the next generation of, of talent into BIM and construction roles? Yeah. So like I mentioned earlier, like I was kind of the first of, of like, you know, BIM department for Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we always talk as a whole, we talk about succession plans, um, the next future. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not, you know, the young spry chicken that, you know, can, can work all hours of the day like I used to, uh, you know, as I get older, I'm like, hey, um, I'm not so much worried about competition. I'm worried about I, I'm more focused on mentorship. Like, hey, you know, I've put a lot of time into this industry. Um, you know, it's time I give back. And so it's like, hey, you know, uh, for my organization, like my team is actually helping with uh, recruitment um, efforts. And so like um, twice a year, I go to BYU, Idaho. They have a VDC program. Uh, they have green instructors. Um, uh, got a chance to meet them. Uh, but it's, it, uh, as a company, as a framing and drywall company, it's like, hey, uh, as a student, you're probably getting pushed to work for a GC. But just know that there's life on the subcontractor side. Um, you know, school's not going to teach you everything about how to model or do VDC uh, content for a framing and drywall company. But mm -hmm. we are looking for people with a mindset and, you know, people who are, like hungry and, and want to learn and just genuinely want to be in the industry. Um, you know, it's like, Hey, you know, like peace is a, a very strong candidate. You know, we've got an ESOP program and we got all these, you know, cool bells and whistles. And it's like, you know, we go there to, to, to you know, tell them, show them, uh, give them updates on what we've been doing, um, projects we've completed, uh, show them, you know, like, Hey, you know, this is how we use the tool. Like you, you're probably learning the basics, you know, this is more advanced stuff. And so, we're not with them day to day, but we do the recruitment events um, to kind of remind them like, hey, you know, as you're getting closer to uh, graduation, like just know like, hey, um, you don't have to work in certain companies or, or, or types of fields. Like, hey, there's, there's, there's PCI uh, and we do this and that. And so um, awareness, but also, um, you know, they've, they've come back and said kind of more like general questions like, hey, you know, like I'll be starting out, like, you know, what can I expect? And so, you know, we try to be professional and tell them like, look, yeah, you know, you want to do your best. You want to have a great attitude, uh, learn everything you can, but always be creative and, and, and thinking outside the box. And so I was like, you know, we leave them with, Hey, you know, if, if you get stuck, you know, you can reach out to us, our recruiter, you know, and, and your instructors. Well, you know, we're trying to build relationships. We may not have all your, your answers, but at least, you know, you know that we're out there to help. Um, and so we, I've been doing this for about two years now. Uh, we get a lot of uh, strong feedback uh, from the mm -hmm. students. Um, ideally, I would hire from or like I would be looking at students in the architecture program or the structural engineering program. Um, but they they're definitely heavy, heavily you know influenced to join the design side. Right. And so mm -hmm. uh, I think more exposure of, of companies like PCI is like, hey, there's life on the other side of the fence. Uh, and so maybe it's maybe it's taboo. Maybe it's um, uncertainty, um, you know, uh, I think once you start tearing away those uh, barriers, they're like, oh, wow, like there is more opportunity out there, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so that we're, we're trying to bring awareness to that. And maybe we plant the seed today, you know, eventually these freshmen grow, uh, they, the ideas grow and they uh, spur thoughts of like, hey, you know, 
I do want to check out PCM when I graduate. When I graduate, I definitely want to check out those markets that they're heavily involved in. You know, we're involved in tech. We're involved in, um, you know, some of these uh, large, um, you know, we got Marine, we got, um, I mean, God, there's so many uh, things that, that products that we, that we have. And so it's like, yeah, um, the United States is huge. Like, I mean, there, there's a lot of opportunity and without, you know, telling them and having the conversations, building rapport, right. Um, they're not going to know. And so, uh, a good candidate could very easily have been missed because they just want to stay in one spot because they had no idea that uh, I can go. I could go to Las Vegas and work for PCI or Seattle and do all these cool, you know, things. And and so, it's it's been challenging um, in that you know they're comfortable, right? And it's like, hey, when you graduate, you might have to move. And so, um, you know, there's 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 those challenges that you know, it's at the independent level, but uh, they know we're around. They you know. We're hard to miss, right? <laughs> so, The Advancing Prefabrication Summit 2024 will unite over 1,200 of the brightest minds in prefab and modular construction this February for four days of exclusive case studies, knowledge sharing, and networking. Don't miss out on joining this event in Denver to take your industrialized construction to the next level in 2024 and beyond. There's content for all levels of experience and knowledge. So whether you have an established prefab program or you're looking to find out about the latest innovations or you're just starting out on your industrialized construction journey, you can't afford to miss out. For more information, just Google Advancing Prefabrication 2024 or visit the website at advancing-prefabrication.com. Finally, use the promo code PODCAST10 to receive a 10% discount just for being a listener. We will be recording live again this year from the show. See you there. Yeah. Have you, what's kind of the, the response that, that you've been getting from kids as they start to kind of get their eyes opened that there's, there's more options out there or are they asking certain questions or, or are they, you know, jumping on it quicker? Or how have you seen that evolve over the last two years? Well, I think in Vegas in particular, I don't know if it's like the, I don't know how it, how it spreads, but the taboo of like, oh, you, you're going to go to Vegas and you're going to be a, a, a gambler or, you know, an alcoholic. And it's like, stop, stop. We're, we're a regular city. We just happen to have a huge entertainment, uh, entertainment corridor. Um, yet, you know, we cater to, you know, hospitality and all this stuff. But we have cool stuff. Like, I mean, there's life. We don't live in Caesars Palace, right? We don't live <laughs> at the Mandalay Bay. Um, we, I thought we that was all in Vegas. Come on, <laughs> um, you know I live at the top of the stratosphere. You know I got a great there big, you go. <laughs> yeah, big penthouse. But um, no, it and the students like they love the pitch. They love the 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 message we're we're sending. Um, but you know they're bombarded with with so many companies as well, right? And mm. so at face value, when a hundred companies tell you we're the greatest, we're, we're the best, we have these amazing opportunities and, and perks. How do you choose, right? And so some of it is that it's it's a personal journey. Um, yeah, we would love to 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 have you know, uh, you know all these great candidates, but at the same time, if that we can't force them to be happy, you know, they have to 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 want to be there, uh, be with us, uh, um, you know, because we we really hire for longevity, right? You know, we invest mm-hmm. in our people. Um, they hear about our safety record, right? And you know, we have one of the lowest EMR ratings in the in the uh, nation. And so that's important when they're getting degrees in project engineering or, you know, uh, project management and um, RVDC people, they're like, hey, PCI like really stresses like safety, right? It's like, hey, like 
let's look into that. And so, you know, you go down the rabbit hole and they're like, wow, PCI, PCI has won awards for safety. And, you know, a lot of GCs uh, favor us because of our um, commitment uh, mm-hmm. to, to our field uh, and safety. So, um, yeah, it's, it, I think it's, it's more challenging for, for the students to, to decide because uh, we're, you know, we're here, we're, we're available to, to provide uh, answers to any questions they have, show them firsthand. Uh, it, we have an internship program. Um, we just started for Vegas. We just started a BIM internship uh, program last year. Um, so it's like, hey, um, you know, even if it's just two weeks, try, try you know, uh, leaving the school for your internship and uh, spend time with us, get to know our people. And then if, if it doesn't work out, fine. But at least that, you know, that the seed has been planted, I guess, is, is yeah. the moral of the story. Uh, so, yeah, it's it, an ongoing effort and challenging. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. So as we start to kind of land the, the plane here, I've got a couple of rapid fire questions for you. Yeah. So first, what is modeling the future? What does that mean and look like to you? Oh, my God. Uh, I, I re- like it's such a huge wish list, but it's like I just want these to be faster and reliable, right? Like um, we're dependent on the Internet because of um, cloud hosted uh, platforms, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I literally lost like two or three days uh, working on the sphere because nothing of our doing, but someone down the street um, was doing work in this um, uh, messing with the, the um, like communication lines underground uh-huh. and the whole building cut out like I, I had no Internet. So I'm like, oh my God, like, how am I supposed to, like, working off a hotspot is not going to happen when it, it comes <laughs> to the sheer size of projects. So, and so the hardware, um, yeah, obviously, we're, it's getting faster and faster. Uh, we use laptops so we can mobilize and hit the job site whenever, on, you know, um, whenever called. But it's like, um, you know, things are a lot better than they were, you know, five, 10 years ago. But, um, you know, we do laser scanning and we need, we need that processing speed. We need... Um, you know, just gobs of RAM that can handle it all. And mm-hmm. it's like, um, things are better, but the future and the future I do see, you know, collaboration is just going to get easier and faster. Uh, trying to load things on, on a browser. Yeah. Um, some days are good. Some days are, are bad, but it's, um, kind of like that necessary evils. Like, well, it is, you know, the internet, it is what it is, but you know, Vegas isn't like even big on, um, like fiber optic, like it, it's, it's, it's still emerging and growing and can mm-hmm. where it's available, mm-hmm. but it's like, okay, well, after that, it's like, what's the next uh, milestone of speed that can be had, right? And, mm-hmm. and since we're all going to be in the cloud, um, you know, some companies have policies where you can't have a physical server. So, uh, you know, you're limited there. But software, um, you know, Revit, Revit's kind of, you know, it came out a long time ago, right? You know, and um, there's new techniques of writing code and uh, new uh, engines for uh, displaying your, your 3D model, you know? So I think there's going to be more integrations. I think there's going to be a lot more advancements, definitely from uh, people who are just curious and trying to figure out new ways to do things. Um, you know, it, it'll take time, but I mean, I, the way everything's going, a lot of it is just integration, uh, jumping from one platform to the other, and then, yeah, uh, getting information to your team faster. Get it. I think if I can get information to the field more efficiently, uh, that'd be that'd be amazing because we use iPads for a lot of our. Uh, we give them to our foreman to to kind of like look at models, look at uh, plan grid, and et cetera. But mm-hmm. on the sphere, for example, like underground and all that concrete and, and you know connection was very hard to 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 come by, right? And sure. so you're like, hey, you know, did you get my model or did you get my CAD file? And they're like, no. I was like, okay, well, you need to step outside then. You know, you need to go outside the building, come to ground level, and then download, and then go back in. But that's lost time, 
right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, yeah, it's always gonna be a hardware thing. It's always gonna be a software thing. They they, they go hand in hand, but um, I I know we're we're so uh, information hungry. We we want to consume and and consume as much as we can as quickly as possible. And I think the industry is just you know they're aware and you know they're they're moving towards that. But um, yeah, I I I, I think it's it, it's we're on the right path. Um, yeah, there's, I, there's a lot of modeling software. I think when these unique designs and concepts come into play, they're like, hey, I wish I had a tool, like a specific uh, maybe Revit function or something. Um, you know, that's where Autodesk can respond and be like, hey, yeah, you know, we've been working on that um, as well. Or we've had many com- um, f- uh, comments and feedback from from cl- um, uh, customers that say they, they want this and that. And so uh, collectively, right, like we're, we're all contributing. And so um, it's getting better. It's, it's, it's becoming, you know, more efficient, but uh, it still takes time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what does innovation mean to you? You know, it's, it's one thing to be innovative and, and then say you're, you're, you're doing it, but it's, I think it's always comes down to like, you have to know the tools first, right? So having the, um, people who are very like confident with the tools, uh, know it very thoroughly, very experienced, you know, that's the first barrier, right? It's like, um, you know, you can, we can have a whole department that's innovative, but if your individual people don't have the skills and the tools, uh, you know, you're only ex- as successful as they're going to be. So, um, you know, people that have the mindset of, you know, how can we do things different? Asking the questions like, well, you know, why don't we simplify? Why don't we do this? And then you realize like innovation is really just about, you know, making it easier on each other and, you know, getting, th- getting things done faster. You know, like I don't want to work late nights. Like how can I, how can I, you know, save myself? So maybe, maybe, maybe it's, um, the notion of being a little bit selfish, right? You're like, hey, I want a full weekend. I don't want to spend four hours checking my model and doing things and doing late night requests. You know, make, make, let's be selfish a little. Like, how, how do we get these done faster? Yeah. Uh, and so it, innovation really comes down to is like, you know, faster, efficient, safer. Like, there's so many ways we could be, you know, framing a soffit or maybe a whole wall assembly, right? Um, but when, you know, you have guys that are kind of leave it out, you know, to, uh, you know, what we feel is too far or, um, you know, we have to put in all this extra equipment and, you know, we try to avoid, you know, ladders and, um, you know, we have to be innovative. So like maybe, maybe it's a comment you hear from somebody you need to even think about, right? Just a guy walking by or let's say like a, a carpenter is like, Hey, I, you know, kind of wouldn't mind if this was like an extra foot or an extra inch long. You're like, Hey, that's a great idea. Let's incorporate that. Right. So keeping the ear open and just listening to, you know, your teammates, uh, listen to your client, listen to like, yeah, you know, we kind of have been doing this the same way forever and ever, or maybe we've been doing it for a short while, but can it be done faster? Can it be done differently? Yeah. Don't like not, not being afraid to try new things. I think is, is going to be really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I more than agree with that. How do people find out more information and connect with you? Uh, okay. So, um, you can reach out to uh, our website, um, uh, performancecontracting.com. Um, but we have a section just for Las Vegas. And so, like, uh, we have a, a tons of content like, specifically tailored to our branch. Um, but uh, I am on LinkedIn. Um, you know, uh, very easy to find, actually, because kind of unique first and last name. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm on there fairly uh, often. Um, and, yeah, I mean, like I said, like, I, I, I like the idea of mentoring more now than uh, trying to compete with everyone. It's like, 
you know, I've done this for a long time. So like, yeah, I'm open to uh, messages and, you know, uh, one-off questions, you know, it doesn't bother me, but um, yeah, I'm approachable. Uh, you know, I know business days are long or, you know, uh, times can get busy, you know, it's, you know, up and down, but um, I try to respond uh, whenever I can. And I'm really looking forward to building relationships. Awesome. Well, final question for you. If I could give you all power, you could snap your fingers and innovate one thing in the construction industry. What would you pick to innovate? Oh my God. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a tough one. It's what's important to me lately really has just been my field. Like, Hey, how do I get the information to my, to my crew? Right. Um, and make things easier for them. Uh, I mean, they've been pretty happy, you know, with, uh, being able to approach us. Uh, but I mean, yeah, there's so many different ways and challenges, you know, and, and in general, I just want to see them be more successful by having information uh, at their fingertips faster, um, you know, no lag, no, no load times, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, that, that's my, that's my focus is my shield. Yeah. I like it. Well, thanks so much for taking the time and joining the, the show today and having the conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was great. And now it's time for my Todd takes from this episode. First take, building a solid foundation with stakeholders and team members is crucial for the long-term success of any project. This involves taking the time to genuinely understand and connect with your team, listening attentively to their needs and concerns. Such efforts not only foster a positive working environment, but also enhance efficiency and effectiveness especially when navigating through change management processes. Establishing strong rapport lays the groundwork for a collaborative and supportive project atmosphere where everyone feels valued and heard. Second take, embracing a mindset of continuous inquiry is key to driving innovation. Don't hesitate to ask questions that challenge the status quo and explore new possibilities by asking why and experimenting with different approaches. This natural curiosity stimulates creative thinking, leading to the discovery of innovative solutions that might not be immediately apparent. Encouraging yourself and your team to remain curious and open-minded can significantly impact the project's ability to adapt and thrive in a constantly changing environment. And final take, keeping things simple is often more challenging than it appears, yet it is a powerful strategy for innovation. In a world cluttered with complex solutions and processes, the ability to streamline and simplify can set your project apart. Simplicity leads to clearer understanding, easier implementation, and better user experience. By focusing on the essentials and removing unnecessary complications, you can achieve more efficient, effective, and innovative outcomes. Remember, simplicity is not just an objective, it's a mindset that can drive groundbreaking ideas and solutions. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software Gray Tech Group at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining the conversation to model the future on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is hosted, directed, and produced by Todd Wyant. Edited and produced by Eric Daniel. 
Bridging the Gap is an Applied Software Great Tech Group production. Copyright Applied Software Great Tech Group 2024.